As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner, and I've been waiting for you. And not just me, but I'm here with my family, except for Philip, and Philip is in the United States. But I'm here with Denise, with Paul Renner, and Joel Renner. I want to welcome all of you to Home Group. Hey, Denise. Hi, Rick. We're excited to be at Home Group. I'm excited we're starting this again. Oh, it's awesome. We're going to have such a good time tonight. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the subject of, are you ready? Demons. What does the Bible say about demons? It's really a big subject. Hey, Paul, welcome to the home group. Thank you. It's a lot of fun to be here. I'm glad that I can be a part of the home group. And uh, this, what we do, uh, this is not just what we do with you or when the cameras are on. This is what we do at home when we're all together, when we have family dinners and when we sit on the couch or when we're just, you know, around each other, when we're in the car. This is what we do. We talk about this stuff. And we really like talking about the Bible and practical application and how we can apply the Word of God in our lives and how do we understand the world around us and how do we interpret it through the, through the Bible and through the values that we find in the Bible, through the truths that we find in the Bible. We do this every day. And why not do it together? Amen. Well, I think it's wonderful we can. I think it's great that we get to be together and study the Bible. But as you're watching, if you would please comment in the comment section and like this video so more people can see it, I think that would be wonderful. These answers that we're answering, these questions that we're answering, I think are very applicable. And it's wonderful we get to answer them. And I want to tell you that right now that I really want to recommend that you get our study guide, which is called What the New Testament Tells Us About Demons. It's a big subject. You know, you really don't hear much about demons today. One third of the angels... Went with, went with Lucifer. They did one third of. Now, why did you say that? Because Are you saying a, that they became demons. No, but I'm saying there's a lot of demons. There's a lot of demons, but we don't know about those angels. As I, I didn't say that, but I'm just <laughs> saying there could be a lot of demons. All right. Well, let's just stop right there because one question people ask is, where do demons come from? And there's a lot of theories about that, and the Bible is really not clear. Some people think that the fallen angels eventually became. Demons. Some people believe the pre-Adamites became demons. There's all kinds of theories. But you know what? The Bible doesn't clearly say where demons come from, so I can't say. But the Bible is very clear that there are demons. And the early church really recognized the evil presence of demons, and they cast demons out of people. Now, today we tend to be more humanistic. We just give people medication. We send them to the doctor. That's okay. We need to do all of that. We need to do all of that. But sometimes the root of people's problems is not physical, it's not mental, sometimes it really is demonic. And we need to know how to exercise authority over demons. And that's why I want you to get this study guide called What the New Testament Tells Us About Demons. Our study guides are so awesome. Just go to our website, renner.org, to the store and look at the section about study guides. You will be amazed at the various study guides that are there. But the back of this says, the Bible says demons are real, but how do they behave? How can you recognize demonic activity? Should you fear demons? What should you do if you sense demonic activity in someone you know or love? There's no reason to be afraid of demons because every believer has authority over them in Jesus' name. That includes you. But you need to know what the Bible says about demons. This is a reality. You might try to ignore it, 
that they will masquerade themselves. They are there. They may pretend to be something else, but very often behind the scenes there is demonic activity. The study guide will help you. And I also want to recommend along with that that you get my book called Dress to Kill. It's about the authority that you've been given in Jesus. Spiritually, you are dressed to kill to take authority over all the works of the enemy. That's right. Amen. That's right. You know, Dad, those, those study guides are like taking, just taking an antibiotic or something to deal with, a, with an issue. And we have so many of those available on our website on many subjects. Hmm. And I think those are just jewels. They're real gifts. Thank you, Joel, because I really put a lot into those study guides, and I love them. And I know people are reading them and being blessed. They're really getting into the Bible for specific subjects. Yes, they are. But, Mom, would you please start us with a prayer? Yes. Father, we're grateful to be together today. We're grateful to be with our home group. And, Lord, I just believe your word because you said that if we're gathered together in your name, even though, Lord, it's across these airways, we're, we're gathered together in your name. There you are in the very midst of us. And we, we respect and we honor your presence. Watch over every one of our words. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So today we're talking about demons. And today Jacob's asking. Hold, hold on, hold on. I want to ask a question before you get to read your questions. And this is, I know, I know we, we usually ask the questions first, but I want to ask my question first. There's some confusion about terminology. Many people say demon possessed. Some people say demon oppressed. And then there's another term out there that's not used very often, but uh, dad refers to it often, and he says demonized. So what's the difference between demon-possessed, demon-oppressed, and demonized? And why, why the difference? Why differentiate at all between the different terms? Well, Mr. Renner, you've asked a brilliant question, and I appreciate that. Because if you read the King James Version, the King James Version over and over and over in the Gospel says, those possessed with demons, those that were demon-possessed. That is a bad translation of a Greek word, Daimoni adzomai. Actually, in the New Testament, we never read not once of a person that was demon-possessed. The Greek word describes people that are demonized. For example, if anybody could have been demon-possessed, it would have been the, demon, the, the demoniac of Gadara. Now, the Bible says that he had demons, and we know that he had an infestation of demons. He even said that he had a legion of demons, a legion from the Greek word legion, which means more than 6,000 demons inside one man. Now you would think that a man that had 6,000 demons would be demon-possessed. But if you say possessed, you mean the man is totally taken over, he has no will, he's totally possessed. But even when you come to Mark chapter 5 to the man that had a legion of demons, 6,000 demons inside one man, he was not totally possessed. He still had enough of his own will that when he saw Jesus, he was able to run to Jesus. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. So he was infested with 6,000 demons, but yet he was not totally possessed. And the word that is used in the New Testament over and over and over, in fact, really the only word used in the New Testament is the word demonized. And it describes people that are demonized. The demons are operating in them. Demons are operating through them, but they are not possessed. 
Now, in our own ministry, Mom and I and you guys, we have seen many demons cast out of people. I have met many demonized people. I have never met anybody demon-possessed. Do they exist? Possibly. I have never encountered one. And I think this is very important because it means the majority of people still have enough will to express, God, I want you to help me. Mm. If, the demon, if the demonized man of Mark chapter 5 who had 6,000 demons, even with those demons, those demons could not restrain him from running toward Jesus. It means any person who wants to be set free can be set free. I think it's a very important point. So really the term demon-possessed, which is what most people use, it's really just a bad word. It's demonized. People are demonized, demon-affected would be a better translation. And uh, I'm glad you asked that question. Great question. It, I asked it because that's going to be the baseline for your response to every single question about demons. Okay. You're going to start with thinking they're not demon-possessed. They're demonized. They're tortured. They're demonized. Right. And they still have a will. They still have a say in the matter, although it may be difficult for them to uh, be free themselves. Mm -hmm. it, they still have a will. They and still have a choice. And demonized people can be very tortured. I mean, they can be mentally confused. They can truly, truly suffer, but they are not possessed. Mm -hmm. There is a big difference. Okay. I think I thought that was an important baseline before we continue with the rest of the questions. Okay, Joel. So Jacob's asking, can a Christian be demon-possessed? No. A Christian cannot be demon-possessed. Demon-possessed is the wrong idea anyway. Can a Christian be demonized? Yes. A Christian can be demonized. Demonized can mean that you have oppression. It can be depression. Demonization can affect your health. But to be possessed would indicate that that demon is living in every part of you, including your spirit. Well, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit in your spirit does not have any room for the devil. The two of them are not going to live there together. Now, demons may be functioning in your body. Demons may be attacking your soul, your mind, and your emotions, but they are not in your spirit if you're a child of God. It just cannot happen. You can be demonized as a Christian, and many are. And Christians that are demonized can be set free. They can be set free. Does that answer the question? Yes, but there, there's just a big difference between being possessed and being... Demonized. ...in you or it affecting you. It's like demons attach themselves, but they can't live in you if the Spirit of God lives in you. The Spirit of God lives in you, then you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Would an example of that be when Jesus you know, forgave someone's sins and said, don't sin no more. And if, if, if you do, then worse will happen to you. Is that an example of what you're saying? No, I don't think so. I mean, it could be connected, but no, I don't think that's really connected. It's a good question, but I don't think so. When Jesus said, for example, he said to the man at the pool of Bethesda, he said, go your way, sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto you. He literally was saying, don't go back to where you've been. Don't keep doing what you've been doing. You've been delivered. Now don't return to where you've come from. But no, I don't think those are connected. Okay. Benjamin is asking, if Christians can't be possessed by demons, what's being cast out of someone? You're saying if Christians cannot be possessed? If they cannot be possessed. Uh-huh. 
What's being cast out of a person? Well, you're dealing with their soul. You're dealing with their flesh. For example, the Bible talks very clearly that there are spirits of affliction. Spirits of, for example, cancer. Not always, but sometimes it is a spirit of affliction. People can have uh, a spirit of nicotine. They can have a spirit of addiction. These are spirits that attach themselves and sometimes they attach themselves to family lines. They're passed from generation to generation to generation. You just got to break it and cast it out. I want to uh, ask, clar clarify. A lot of people are talking about generational curses. Right. What I hear is that demons have patterns. They do. They're very and, predictable. And they can move from one person to the next, uh, not because it's in the blood. It's just because that's the person in the closest vicinity, not because it's a, a generational curse. It's Well, Paul, yes and no. Okay. It may be that that, that that spirit found entrance to that family through something that somebody did. Mm -hmm. And so someone in the family gave rights or opened the door. To that thing to come into the family. And sometimes it can be passed from one generation to the next until somebody says, you know what, that's it. I'm drawing the bloodline. We're done with you. For example, I know for sure there were some generational things in my own family. I drew the bloodline and said, no, you're not passing anymore. Broke it in my life and broke it off of our family. Mm -hmm. It ended. And as a believer, you have the authority to do that. But I, you know, this question Paul asked about being demonized or demon-possessed, it's really a very important question. I've never met a person demon-possessed. Saved or unsaved? Saved or unsaved. I have met demonized people, and believers cannot be demon-possessed, period, end of the story. But believers can be demon-affected, demonized. Mm -hmm. And that's usually what you find in the Gospels. I want to mention that in Romans, the most doctrinal book in the Bible. Yes, it is. The devil's only mentioned once. Chapter 16, verse 20. And you've told me many times, and what does it say? That he is under our foot. That the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. That is Paul's theological statement about the devil in the entire book of Romans. The devil is under our feet. So we're, we're bigger than these problems. Oh, absolutely. We have authority over the devil. We have authority over the devil in our life, in our family's life. We have no reason to be afraid of the devil. We have been equipped with everything we need. Or as I say in my book, we're dressed to kill. We can really deal with this. We can. And Jesus gave us the power as believers. Amen. But still people have questions. So Jonathan is asking, how do you identify a demon? Well, that's a very good question. Now, I'm glad you asked that question because I didn't even know about that question. And I turned to something in my study guide that I want to read. Okay. And it really fits. I'm glad I turned to this spot. Because in the study guide, I talk about characteristics of demons. Well, hand me that study guide, would you please? And all of these are from the Gospels. You know, the Renner family, our home group, our ministry, we believe in the Bible. All this is in my series called What the New Testament Says About Demons in the Study Guide. So we base everything that we do on the Bible. What this page is, are you going to? This is an important question because people in church ask all the time, I had a dream, uh, or I think the Lord's telling me, can, is this from the Lord? So many people just want to know, help. Is this from the Lord or is this something I shouldn't pay attention to? And so how do you recognize whether it's a demon or not? Some people need help with that. Well, what well, page is this? 
there, with you. Uh, it's page 16 and 17. There are characteristics of demons which we find in the scripture. And in this study guide, I've listened 19 characteristics. Demons scream. Demons cry out. Demons can be panicked or spooked. Demons talk or converse. Demons have intelligent. intelligence. Demons are unclean. Demons can be violent. Demons tend to cause terror. Demons can be incredibly strong. Demons can cause physical impairments. Demons can cause suicidal tendencies. Not always, but they can. Demons can inhabit animals. They can. I remember when I was a kid, we had a dog behind our family's house. The name of the dog was Stinky. I'm telling you to this day, I believe that dog had a demon. Uh, demons can operate through occult activities. Demons can be religious. Demons can be very religious. The Bible tells us very clearly in James 2.19 that demons can believe. Demons can beg and pray. Demons recognize authority and they respond to authority. Demons can be resisted. Demons submit to the name and authority of Jesus Christ. Those are 19 things that the New Testament tells us about demons. It's very important that we know what the Bible says about demons. Interesting. So that's how you can recognize if someone has a demon. Well, you know, sometimes it takes discernment to know if somebody has... I don't even like that, that word, somebody has a demon. They don't have a demon. They're demonized. They're uh -huh. demon-affected. I don't know any Christian that have a demon. But I know Christians that can be demon-affected or demonized. So let's change our terminology. Okay. You know, when you study the demoniac of Gadara... Uh, it's, he is written about in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And Luke was a doctor. And Luke tells us something very important about the demoniac. He says that from time to time the demon seized him. That word seized is a medical term, the same term that was used to describe epilepsy. Now, it is not saying that every person with epilepsy is demon affected. I am not saying that. Don't say that I said that. I am not saying that. But... By using that word, Dr. Luke tells us that sometimes those that are demon-afflicted, they behave like epilepsy. Well, how does an epileptic behave? Do they have epileptic seizures all the time? Of course not. In fact, when you meet most people with epilepsy, you don't even know they have epilepsy. But then every once in a while, they have an epileptic seizure, which throws them out of their pattern. That is the word which Dr. Luke uses in Luke chapter 8 to describe people that are demonized, which means sometimes demonized people behave very normally. You would never even know they have a problem. But then something happens and they do something strange that is totally out of character, and that's when you realize, you know what? I think this person has a demonic problem. But they don't behave like that all the time but they may be thrown into a demonic fit or a demonic seizure or something that throws them out of a regular pattern. And very often that's an indication that there's something else working behind the scenes. Is that helpful, Denise? Yes, I think it's very helpful because um, knowledge really does help you. And, and even the subjects of, de of demons can even be kind of spooky and kind of scary and oh, we don't know what is going on there. But but we have authority over that realm and it is a realm it's a realm of the spirit and it works behind 
different people's actions. And, and the Holy Spirit, he said that he gives us a gift. And one of those gifts is the gift of discernment. Yes. And that's a powerful. Actually, it's called discerning of spirits. Well, it's a powerful gift. And when, when it's operating in us, don't ignore it. Mm -hmm. If you're dealing with somebody that you think is being, that behind their actions is the devil, use your time, not fighting with that person, but in prayer coming against the enemy that's coming against your loved one. Because the Bible says we don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against principalities and powers and rulers in the dark places. And so that is, that is our fight. And sometimes I think we're drawn into fight with flesh and blood. Now, I think it's a mistake to walk around looking for demons all the time. I'm not saying looking for demons. No, but I feel like I need to say that for our home group that don't become obsessed with demons. That's bad. That's in fact, even demons can lead you to become obsessed with demons. Really, they can. People become obsessed with it, and they become like not normal Christians anymore. No, no, don't do that. When I deal with people, I deal with people as people. But this gift that Denise is referring to, listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, discerning of spirits, it gives you the ability to see something in the spirit realm. And every once in a while, it's not always, but every once in a while when I'm dealing with somebody, I suddenly become aware that there's something else here. It's not just the person that I'm dealing with. There's something else working behind the scenes or there's something else working behind their affliction. Every affliction is not spirit-inflicted, but sometimes they are. It's why we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit enable us to see and to know what normally we wouldn't know. And by the way, when I discern something, I don't get spooked. I don't get panicked. Sometimes I don't even tell the other person what I discern. You don't always have to tell it. Sometimes just silently in the spirit, I bind it. Just under my breath, I take authority over it and cast it out, and that ends it. Most demons are dealt with with a single word. That's how Jesus cast out most demons, except for the demoniac of Gadara. That's the only time Jesus ever said, Who are you? What is your name? Besides that, Jesus simply cast them out with a word. Demons are not hard to deal with. They're not... You have more authority than they have. You have the name of Jesus. They tremble and they believe when they hear that name. This reminds me of how Jesus uh, told Peter, he was speaking to Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan. Mm -hmm. he, he recognized something. Well, that's a very good example. Now that does not mean that Peter was demon possessed. No, he wasn't. But at that moment, Peter was a little, he was a little affected. And Jesus could see the devil was working behind the scenes through Peter. I like that example. And later Jesus prayed for Peter. Yes. But we know that, you know, someone else was used. That's right. Good, good. good Excellent point. example. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Mom, you talked about discerning of spirits, and Dad, you just spoke about discerning of spirits. But when we talk about discerning of spirits, we're talking about absolute truths. Not everything is good. And you, and in order to be able to discern whether this is something that's uh, evil, you have to have the basic understanding that there is good and evil and just got to take off those pink, uh, pink sunglasses and begin to look at things in a more realistic way. But once again, we're not looking for demons everywhere. There is an element of normalcy 
that we should expect from from everyone. Now, you said you can cast out uh, demons with one word. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, this, and this question's coming up, Joel. There's a, is there a question about how to cast out a demon or something? If we get to it. If we get to it. Oh, I want to tell a story. So I was, I was uh, meeting with a young man not so long ago in church. And uh, and this, is, this, isn't a, this isn't a believer that you would say is particularly mature. I'm not, I mean, he would, he's a younger believer, not a particularly strong believer, definitely not your preacher, evangelist, charismatic guy. Uh-huh. He just, you know, you're normal, you know, every Sunday going to church. Uh, he's not even really bold about his uh, faith. But someone was staying at his house who shared with him that they're having these strange dreams. And in their dreams, dead people were coming to them, coming to this person in their dreams. Uh-huh. And so this person, for years, had dreams of dead people. And, and this person felt like these dead people were actually pulling him to death in his sleep. Mm-hmm. I would say that's a demonic dream. And this young man recognized that this is wrong. And he mean this guy no Bible school, no super gift of, you know, faith, simply laid hands on his friend and prayed for him. Next night slept without a problem. Next night later his his friend was actually unsaved. Next night later his friend got saved. And since then he's been delivered. And this did not require huge, charismatic, loud prayer. This was just simple guy recognizing a problem, and it wasn't his own strength that did anything in the situation. He just spoke truth, and the truth worked. You know, I think that um, if you think that you've got to yell and scream at demons, then that's probably what you're going to do. I am so confident about my authority in Jesus that I don't believe I have to yell and scream at anybody. I have authority over demons. I don't have to yell and I don't have to scream. We have no indication in Scripture that Jesus ever yelled and screamed and made a big deal of casting out demons. Jesus told the demons to shut up. He wouldn't even allow them to speak, which means very often these demonic fits that go on and on and on and on, on, it's not even required. Just tell them to shut up and come out. That's what Jesus did, and that's what we can do. And that's what I believe we should do. We have authority over demons. Amen. But there's examples in Scripture where demons have um, influence or power on non-believers. For instance, whenever these brothers or something went to go take control of some... Are you talking about the seven sons of Sceva? Yes. And the demon wouldn't listen to Uh non-believers. So demons have power over or influence over non-believers. More, more so than over believers because we have the Spirit of God. We are the children of God. Um, yeah, that was a, that's Acts chapter 19. That's very interesting. That's worth studying. But as believers, we have a power over those. Yes, we do. Over those forces. We do. Okay, Beth is asking, I know my friend is oppressed. I believe with some depression mixed in, he seems to move forward at times. Then, like a vacuum, it sucks him back in. How do I help him? Well, oppression... Believe it or not, it is a form of somebody being demonized. The word oppression is from a Greek word which means to be ruled over by a tyrant or to be dominated by some evil exterior force. 
That's really what oppression is. You shouldn't confuse it with depression. Depression can be physical, it can be dietary, it can be too much work, and depression can usually be fixed with medication, or depression can be fixed by taking a break or changing what you're eating, or even by changing the music or the lighting in your house. Depression is, can be fixed. Getting different friends. But oppression is something different. Oppression is spiritual. Oppression is when an outside force is lording itself over you, telling you, like a tyrant, what to eat, what to think, what to drink, what your future is, what your future will not be, what your self-image is. It just lords itself over you. That's what oppression is. So you have to be able to determine what you're dealing with. Are you dealing with depression, which can be changed by changing the mood in your house or what you eat or your medication? Or are you dealing with an outside force that is dominating a person? That's a person that is, that's a form of being demonized. That's what I'm talking about. They're not possessed, but there's something that's affecting them. It's an exterior affliction. And you can take authority over that for someone else, or that person can learn to take authority over it himself. Now, when I was a young man, I was oppressed. I had a bad self-image. The devil spoke to me every day. I did not have a demon, but I was oppressed. I was demonized in that area of my life. I was demon-affected. And I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I suddenly had authority take, take authority over this, and it broke in my life. As believers, we have to learn how to exert authority and say, you are not going to operate in me. And we can do that. You know, because I deal with women a lot and, and marriages, and, and there can be really serious problems with husbands and wives. A husband can be addicted to alcohol. He can be addicted to pornography. He can be addicted to drugs. Now, what is she going to do? Well, she has authority, but... It, it, it might not come with just like a word. It comes with, you know, seeking the Lord and seeking Him and seeking Him and seeking wisdom on how to act. And, but, but again, I want to say your, your warfare is not with that husband. Your warfare is with that spirit that's operating behind your husband or your son or your daughter because... The Holy Spirit lives in you, and you can see things, and you know, you can see that that's coming over them, that that's not your precious son, that's not your precious daughter, that's not your husband, or, or your wife, whichever case it is, that's something coming over that, that loved one. And I think it's important to add that it's not usually wise to say what you see. No, of course not. If you not. say to your daughter... I see the devil working. You're going to make her really mad. No, it's... Don't it's, do that. That's for your <laughs> prayer closet. If you see it, you deal with it. And privately in your prayer closet. In your prayer closet. And you have authority. And I just want to tell you that. Amen. You have authority over those things that are trying to destroy someone dear to you, whoever it is. In the spirit, you have authority over that spirit. Joel? That's right, Mama. Well, if you have any comments or if you want to like this video, that'd be great. The more likes we get, the more people will see this video. That's the way it works. We just want to help people. This oh, yeah. is all about helping people. Oh, These yeah. are helpful. And anything we say is going to be based on the Bible because that's all we do. But Sharon is asking, can demons enter through trauma? Well, demons look for a door. They look, they look for a door. They're very legal in the way they operate. 
If every door is closed, they have no entrance. Even the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4, give no place to the devil. That word place is the word topas. It describes a real geographical location, an entry point. They look for entry points. And very often, for example, children are traumatized at a young age by something that happens or abuse. I mean, there's all kinds of things that could happen. And through their fear, it creates an open place where demons try to attach themselves to that person. It becomes a door. Sometimes people watch horror movies. Horror movies become doors. When I was a young man, I loved horror movies. Now I can't bear them. They're so evil. You know, I was just dumb when I was young. Sometimes people watch programs or they listen to music they shouldn't listen to. You have to understand that usually demons try to find entrance through emotions and through the soul. The soul is so powerful. You need to be careful what you do with your mind, with your imagination, pornography, because demons look for entry places. And if you close every door, I have a whole teaching on that, about closing every door, sealing every crack. The best way to do spiritual warfare is just by living right and doing right. That will shut the door to the devil. And Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, that we need to be very careful because the devil walks about as an adversary. That word adversary is the Greek word antidikos. In Greek, it means a prosecutor. Like a prosecutor prosecutes and takes people down because they violated a law, the devil's looking for you when you violate something. And when you violate a principle or you do something that's wrong and you know that you're doing it, you leave an open place that becomes an access point. But when you do right, you close all those places. It's very important. We, we, not, go, no, go ahead. Paul. Not so long ago, a gentleman in church came to me and asked me about music. What music should he listen to and what music should he not listen to? And he was particularly asking about music that was a little heavier. Uh, music, just like this home group program, just like a movie, just like anything else, there's, it's, 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 to me, this is very interesting. <laughs> we have come up with ways to uh, record and transfer something from a spirit, something spiritual from one location to the next. Now, if you just play music in your house and there's no one there to listen to it, then there's no soul or no spirit to receive it. Music only has uh, effect on your ears, your mind, and your heart. If it's just playing in a room all by itself, it's just noise. But if you're in the room to hear it and the music plays you, mm -hmm. then all of a sudden something that was played, recorded, replayed, and then heard has has an effect so just like christian music carries something carries anointing just like a message that you hear carries anointing we can listen to messages from years ago these people are with the lord and and you listen to that message mm -hmm. and all of a sudden anointing. same same anointing mm -hmm. because it's being it's playing us there's a chord in us that's that's resonating with whatever's being spoken or whatever's being played. The exact same thing happens mm -hmm. with things that carry, let's say, negative. Uh, I mean, if we're going to say it as in simple terms as possible, positive or negative, God, uh, good or evil. 
And so the exact same thing can happen there. It's not just what you're watching. Mm -hmm. The TV itself has no power. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the, 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 it being there has no power. But once you've played it and it's played you, that's when... Well, that's, if, because, if you're, that's you're, because your eyes are a gate to your soul. And your, your soul, ears are a gate to and, your soul. And your soul is like an instrument. It has resonance. And if you play something evil on your soul, it's, it's like you create an open space. You just shouldn't do it. You just shouldn't do it. But I'm, can I say one more thing? Because I'm thinking about you being at home tonight in our home group. What if you think that you may be demon afflicted or demonized in some area of your life? Can you self-deliver yourself? It's a very important question. The answer is yes. First of all, you can take authority over your thoughts. You can. You have the authority to do that. You don't need anybody else to help you. If you feel like you need help, then ask for help. But really, self-deliverance is repentance. When you repent, you jerk that thing out of your soul. You jerk that open place out of your head, out of your mind, out of your emotions. You close the door. I'm telling you, repentance is the most powerful way for self-deliverance. And if there's any area of your life where you have given place to the devil, the act of repentance, God, I'm sorry, I'm turning from this. And repentance in that case is the absolute refusal to think that way. It is the total turning from that obsession. It is so powerful. And you may have to do it and 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 do it. This is not repentance so you'll be forgiven. You are forgiven. I'm talking about repentance so you fix yourself, self-correcting. If you will take authority over yourself, you can deliver yourself. You really can. Well, and the Bible says there are songs of deliverance. Oh, well, that's very good too. And so when, when you start singing, just, I love you, Lord, I worship you, whatever you start singing to him, it starts affecting your own soul. I like that. And deliverance, deli it's happened to me many times, deliverance can come to you while you're blessing and singing to the Lord. Most demonization takes place through the soul. Through my soul. And so what you do with your soul is very, very important. Wow, oh. this has been very interesting. This has been so good, and we're running out of time. Yeah, oh. actually, actually, we only have time for prayer. Denise, what were we going to say? Oh, I'm just saying that it's so good. <laughs> I've enjoyed it so much, I can't hardly wait for home group next time. I didn't even understand that our time was gone. But Father, huh. in the name of Jesus, right now we speak release to every person that has been spirit-afflicted in any area of their life, in their mind, in their health, in their body, I speak freedom to you yes. in the name of Jesus. Yes. I speak encouragement to you to rise up and say, devil, you're not going to operate in me, in my kids, in my spouse, in my home anymore. Draw the line. Yes. Because the enemy does not have a right to be there. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, if you've got a prayer request, please write to us. Let us know. And we will pray for you. Just write to us where, Joel? At prayerrenner.org or call our office. Yeah, prayerrenner.org or just call us. We would love to hear from you. And be sure to order the study guide, what the New Testament says about demons. This has been awesome. We're out of time, but we'll see you in the next home group. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.